Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. In November of 2016, we began a campaign with the scenario entitled Crimson Letters. It continued in April of 2017 with Mirror Mirror. Our GM for those scenarios was Thomas McKeon, and he continues now with a scenario of his own devising entitled simply Homecoming. Many of the characters from previous scenarios now continue their story. How were they affected by the dark knowledge they gained? Where have those secrets taken them? That's what we're about to find out. And so, without further delay, let's begin our journey into the darkness. Thomas? Thanks, Tom. Picture this. We open on a dark, misty evening. Low clouds flurry by us as we dip lower and lower. Slowly, hundreds of snowy roofs fade into view. Brick chimneys leak thick smoke into the mist, a light snow falling over a dark, lonely city. As we break through the mist, lowering further and further, we see that all the houses and shop windows are all dark, save for a few, which flicker in the distance. Even some of the streets are blanketed in darkness, littered with snow and debris. Skating along the ground of one of those streets, we see a wet newspaper dated with today's date, April 3rd, 1931. Its headline, Hitler's Decree, Submission or Exile. Welcome, listeners, to what's left of Depression-era Arkham, Massachusetts. As said, the date is April 3rd, 1931, but that's of little consequence. Every night looks like this one. Lights out from failure to keep up payments, empty streets caused by fear, entire families shivering out in cold alleys, huddled together for warmth. It's a stark visual, but one that shows the impact of the Great Depression. At night, one could hardly tell the difference between this place and a ghost town. No one was out tonight. No one was ever out this late. Well, with one exception. Take your attention now towards the center of town, where the Miskatonic River cuts through the city like an ever-bleeding wound. Driving south from uptown Arkham, down the frozen North Street Bridge, is a single black car. It sped along, puttering in the cold, the fog cascading over the bridge from the Miskatonic, whipping in the air as the car passed by. Moving in, we see the driver's face shrouded in darkness. But driving, but, but driving by a dim orange street lamp, we're able to make out his stark, grizzled face, the face of private investigator Clifton Hawk. And accompanying him on this midnight hour drive, a marked folder in the passenger seat, which only reads, Cold Water Creek. As he drove, chilled to the bone by the nippy New England night, Hawk kept his eyes on the road in front of him, his gaze only straying to glance towards a patch of railing to his right. It was there in that very spot where he and his partners were gunned off this bridge almost two years ago. Now that old tattered railing is gone, the spot replaced by a new stretch of steel. Regardless, in a single glance, Hawk Mind could only think about how they were all gone, everyone from those days, as he was prone to calling them. 
These were thoughts that manifested every time he traveled down this stretch of road. And slowly, listeners, we pull away from the moving car, taking in the depressing, empty sight that is Southern Arkham. Bathed in the sickly yellow light of the street lamps was Hawk's cold, lonely office. You could say he cleaned up his act since the Raidley house, something you can tell just by looking at his office. Though still shabby, one could see the care he took in his work now. Though his old assistant, Diana, stopped by less and less now, he still kept a photo of her on his desk to remind himself of those days, I suppose. Newspaper clippings littered the wall nearest his desk, practically serving as wallpaper. Massacre, read one, dated October 1929. Student journalist papers found a story of police and academic corruption, read another. Two dead, two missing, Radley pleads insanity, said another in the corner. Jobs that made him who he was now, jobs that still hunt him. The door to the office swings open, revealing one of our many heroes, Hawk, a file in hand. With a tired slump, we see him collapse into his worn-out desk chair, specks of dust fluttering in the beams of streetlight. With a sigh, his rough hands reach down, pulling open a drawer set in his desk. Dozens of files, each filled with the brim with papers. Corbett House, Sadevkar, the Black Lotus, Fishboy Attraction, Walton Samus, the Jane Strong kidnapping, just to name a few. And now added to the collection, Coldwater Creek, which Hawk slips into the drawer, sliding it closed afterwards. Illuminated by the street lamps outside, Hawk turns his gaze to the window. He stares at the pluming chimneys, the dark windows. Though he had an apartment now, he couldn't help but feel out of place there. It was here in his office where he felt truly at home. And so with a sigh, he leans back in his chair, trying to relax after a long night. Just as he closes his eyes, though, his late night takes a mysterious turn when the phone beside him begins to ring. The phone is ringing, Hawk. What would you like to do? Clifton Hawk, private investigation. What can I do for you? This is a long-distance call. Do you understand that the caller will be accepting the charges? Of course. Putting you through now, sir. You hear static, and then you hear this. Hello? Uh, yes, this is Clifton Hawk. What can I do for you? It's Clifton Hawk. I found you. Uh, I need your help. Um, who am I talking to? Uh, I, I can't tell you. They may be listening. Listening? I, I need help. The dreams, they've only gotten worse since he left. They have to mean something. They mean something. You've been having dreams. I, I, I can't explain them. Not, I, they may be listening over the phone. Um, what can I do for you? I, I need you to come to where I am. I'm in New York City at a hotel called the Bellevue. The Bellevue. The Bellevue. I am, 
uh, I've called you first. Uh, I'm calling the others later, but I just, I needed to call you first. Oh, listen. Um, Can you tell me what this is about? You're talking about a four and a half hour trip for what? You're, You're not telling me anything. I've already planned it out. You'll take the train tomorrow. At, at, at 12 o'clock and you'll get to New York Penn Station at at about 7 o'clock then you're going to go to Middle Manhattan 43rd Street at 845 no later no earlier you're gonna go up to the concierge and tell them that your name is Roy Klein do you understand me your Roy name Klein. is Roy Klein okay you have to come soon you have to come now you then hear him put down the phone and you hear him shout, stop talking. And he puts the phone back up to his ear and he says, I'll have your money when you arrive. All right. Sounds good to me. He hangs up. Wacko. Oh, I always get the crackpots. Uh, 12 o'clock right. noon, Penn Station, two, 7 p.m. Long so, Hawk, would you like to do anything right now? Um, probably have my dinner. All right. And, so have uh, your dinner. Uh, later on I'll pack I'm going to pack something light Um, I've got some free time so I might as well go to New York anyway why not All right. so let's now move on to Felix Flash a puff of white smoke as a scantily clad woman reveals herself on stage In front of her, a cheering audience, a small crowd of anonymous adorers hidden behind the show lights and spectacle of the stage. Some stand while others whistle at the woman as she walks off stage right, shaking hands with a man dressed in a suit. A microphone in one hand, the gentleman steps up to the center stage, reaching out towards the crowd. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you and good night, yells the host. The cheers grow louder, loud enough to even be heard all the way backstage. Behind the red curtain and fake set walls, entertainers of all kinds meander there, laughing and chuckling as they remove makeup, costumes, and the like. All of these people are members of a theater collective, traveling town to town with their acts, trying to make a buck. Happiness, drinks, and backstage romance flows like a river tonight in Atlantic City. But like a rock in a stream, all that seems to pass right over magician Felix Epstein. Sitting on his steamer trunk beside a backstage exit, Felix Epstein, the great Bamboni, focuses on a card in his hand. With a morose look, he twirls the card, fingers holding the edges, focusing on the points of the spade rather than the cheers and laughter. You see, sometimes in his mind, those cheers begin to sound like screams, the sounds of hundreds writhing in anguish and pain. Sounds like the screams of Trent Sterling. But no matter how hard he tries, he just can't seem to block them out. They won't stop. Trent won't stop. A 
cry of surprise, a sliver of pain. The corner of the card slipped, slicing his thumb open. But only just slightly. A fat droplet of blood began to form its shape, enrapturing his focus. His heart began to race, beads of sweat beginning to form. And then, smack, a slap on Felix's back, and a familiar form takes shape from his left. Great work tonight, Felix. Here's your cut, as he throws a wad of cash into his lap before sauntering away, joining the others in a job well done. Pretty good crowd. He walks away. He takes no mind of what you've said. Everyone around you seems to almost pretend you're not here. A telephone rings out, breaking his concentration. Hey, Felix calls a stagehand. Telephone yeah. for you. And he holds it out. For me? For you. Um, hello? Is this Felix Epstein? Yes. You're the same one from the radio, right? Um, well, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who is this? I'm, I'm I can't. To? I, 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 can't, I can't tell you. They, they could be listening to me right now. Uh, I don't have much time. I'm trying to call everyone. I'm trying to call the others. Listen, uh, you're, you're, you're in Atlantic City now. Um, tomorrow morning, I need you to take the, 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 the let's see here, the, the, the four o'clock train. Tomorrow afternoon, take the four o'clock train straight to New York City, okay? Uh, I'm in a hotel. It's called the Bellevue. And you hear the phone drop, and he goes, Stop talking to me! I'm trying! Leave me alone! And he picks the phone back up, and he says, She just won't stop. She won't stop. Look, look buddy, what's, what, what's this all about? I, I need help. I'm, the dreams I'm having, they won't stop. I'm, I'm awake now, and they won't stop now. I need you to go to New York. You're going to meet someone there, someone you're familiar with. You're all familiar with each other. I, I, I think, I hope, you have to remember each other. You're from the radio. Go to Penn Station at around 6. Someone will meet you there, so you'll know them. And then from there, you're all going to go to the Bellevue. And you're going to go to the concierge. And you're going to say your name is Roy Klein. Do you understand me? Well, I mean, why am I, why am I supposed to do this again? I've got your money and I need your help. What is, is this? Is this, a, is this a gig? I mean. Yes, I, I'm, I'm trying to hire you. Well, why didn't you say so? Just show up at the Bellevue. I'll have your money ready. Sure. He hangs up. Well, what the hell was... Anything that you'd like to do before we move on? Well, I mean, we're all we're all finished here. Um, I'm gonna go and get a drink. 
All right. Now we're going to move on to Mr. Fowler. So Mr. Fowler begins a swarthy middle-aged man, yellow sweat uh, staining his chest and armpits. Smoke swirls around the small, dim room in midtown New York City. A table is set in the center, two microphones set onto the wood. On one end, leaning forward in his seat, Barney Reynolds, radio extraordinaire. At the other, famous private investigator Dexter Fowler, a cigarette in his hand. Behind a set of glass, two technicians run aboard, leveling audio, laying down music, but more importantly, watching the show. Fans are dying to know, Mr. Fowler. Have you recently had a case that even compares to the Radley investigation back a year ago? Tell us. No, I have not had a case that extraordinary, extraordinarily as the case. Well, now that you're here in the studio, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the people that you associated with? Uh, everyone's dying to know what your actual thoughts are on the character of Clifton Hawk. In the show, you've portrayed him as a, uh, as a, as a drunken idiot who's more along the lines of your sidekick. Uh, if you can kind of go into the uh, details to why you made the character this way. Well, Clifton Hawk, he was always drunk and he he smelt like a homeless uh, homeless person. And yeah, I really think that's what I think of him. Well, in um, in the episode, uh, in 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 the episode of Dexter Fowler and the case of the porcelain mirror, there was also some other characters, um, one of which uh, died. And and if I remember correctly, uh, that's true. Trent Sterling did actually pass away during that case. Is that correct? Or he went missing? In your version of the account, he, he died. He was attacked by this thing. Is that right? Yes, that is true. Well, what about um, the others? Uh, there was the, the magician. Where did you find a character like that? Well, I I seen uh, he was actually performing uh, actually a but actually right before the case I went to see his uh, show, and that's how I got the idea of his uh, character. Fascinating stuff. Well, that's all the time we have tonight, listeners. Tune in every two weeks to hear more of the case files of Dexter Fowler. I've been your host Barney Reynolds. Sleep tight. Are we clear? Shouts someone from behind the glass. We're clear. The lights then flash on, the live sign flickering out. Barney sighs, leaning back in his chair as far as he can, running his hands down his face. Hope those wackadoos enjoyed that, he says, staring up at the lights. The door to the recording booth opens up, and in comes a heavyset man in pinstripe button-up shirt, suspenders like rubber bands against his gut. Great show, you two. Amazing work, as always, says the man. Charles Huck, a producer with NBC Red Network. I can't tell you, Dexter, I can't tell you how great it is that you were going to be on this show with us. I know that you've been kind of behind the scenes, but having you come on and actually have the listeners hear your stories firsthand, it's great stuff. Well, thank you. I, I've been, you know, working behind the scenes for... 
a long time and it's great that I'm actually on uh, the microphone and actually telling my story. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, we've got a script for the next show. Okay, tell me, tell me what you think. Dexter Fowler and the Lobster Men. What do you think? Lobster Men? Uh, can you explain why Lobster Men? Well, because we ha- we've done everything with you. We've done, we've done the, the, the we, got, we did ghosts. We did demons. We're, we're thinking about something different. We're thinking about Lobster Men. What do you think of that? No, yes, maybe? I honestly don't think that's a good idea. If uh, he kind of holds his hand up to you and he goes, Bonnie, what do, what do you think? Great, it's great. He kind of says as he kind of waves his hand. Uh, well, thanks for coming in, Fowler. Says uh, Barney with a hint of sarcasm on his voice. We'll uh, see you next time. And he kind of stands up, uh, and you kind of see Charles kind of waving him down, and they leave you in the booth alone. Um, but that's when you hear uh, the PA come on in the recording booth, and a technician goes, "Mr. Fowler, there's." Uh, a call for you. Apparently they've been calling your office. I'm just going to put it through to your line inside the booth, all right? That sounds good. Put it through. The phone begins to ring. Okay, I pick up. Is this Dexter Fowler? Yes, it is. Who is this? I, I I don't know if I can tell you. Um, Dexter, why don't you go ahead and roll me a persuade roll and, uh, and tell me what you're going to say to get his name. Huh. I, I fail my persuade. All right. Um, you know, it's, it's, my name is not important. Um, what's important is, is I have a case for you. I need your help. Oh, Really? Um, I pull out a piece of paper. What kind of case is this? I've been, I've been having these dreams. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that I caught you at the end of your show. You were talking about the Radley case, weren't you? Yes, I was. Is, is it true? Did that, that all really happen? Yes. Everything happened. Okay. I, I, I want to meet with you and, and all the others tomorrow. But what I need you to do is I need you to go to Penn Station at around 6 o'clock. And I need you to wait. There's going to be some people, some friends of yours. They're going to meet you. The ones from your show. When you're all together, uh, they'll tell you what to do next, okay? Really? Okay, I guess I could do that. I'm sorry I couldn't talk with you longer, but she may be listening. Uh, Who may be listening? I, I don't know if I can even trust you people, but no matter what, I'm going to have your guys' money here with me in the room, all right? Okay, sure, I'll, I'll go to Penn Station. All right, just uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow night, and he hangs up. Okay. All right. So let's move on to Tommy and William. Crack. 
You hear the sounds of splintering wood as a formerly locked door swings open. A sharp maned wind whistles by, and though it's the beginning of spring, snow cascades down like a frozen tsunami over the wooded landscape. Heavy boots, followed by the sounds of two other pairs of shoes, clomp on the wooden patio. An old wrinkled man, covered in head to toe with thick wool, holding in one hand an oil lantern and in the other a steel crowbar, steps into view. This is it, the old man says, walking in through the door, waving at two shadowy gentlemen behind him. Sorry we couldn't get the locksmith down here. Storm held him up. The old curmudgeon places the crowbar on the table, snow melting on worn pages set with esoteric symbols. The oil lamp he sets on a nail beside a snowed-in window, illuminating the room, and the two men step inside. Tommy Anderson and William Olmsted Green. Don't know much about the guy that bought this place, but uh, he paid cash and kept to himself, the landlord mused, picking up a book from the kitchen table. Cycles of the Moon, Magneticism of, Magneticism's Effects on the Mind by F.T. Hampton. Liked a lot of weird stuff too, that's for sure. He says, the book falling with his, from his hand with a thump on the table. Well, power's on, except the lights don't work. Filament's broken, most of them. Uh, bones work, but plumbing hasn't been touched. And it won't be till uh, your partner, Miss Court, uh, until her checks are verified by the bank. As far as I'm concerned, the, the old Sterling place is yours, Mr. Anderson. He dug through his heavy, soaked jacket, pulling out a metal cigarette tin, along with a set of matches. You boys have a look around. Everything should be the same as when the last owner, Mr. Sterling, left. I'm going to smoke outside. Clump, clump, clump. His feet leave puddles of water as he heads towards the door, taking his brass knob, putting its brass knob in the hand. Let me know if you two need anything. And uh, welcome to Masaderis, Maine. With that, the landlord closes the door, leaving you two in the home away from home of Trent Sterling. All right. What would you like to do? Well, this is uh, marvelous looking, Tommy. Shall we take a look around? Not quite what I expected. I thought it would be a little bit cleaner than this. Uh, the, the old man is standing just uh, off to the side of the house. He's kind of uh, near the woods a little bit. He's actually standing in about three feet of snow, just puffing at his cigarettes. It looks like he's just draining them. Uh, he puts one in his mouth, two minutes go by, he throws a butt and just takes another one. Three feet of snow. Is there yeah. heat in the cabin? Uh, there is no heat in the cabin. It is freezing cold. There is a blizzard currently in Maine. Did we catch his name? No. No, he did not catch the landlord's name. He just simply let you in. All the paperwork, however, has been filed through Amelia, as you know, um, Tommy. So the house is essentially yours and hers. Uh, excuse me, sir. He kind of lifts his head up and he turns towards the window. What, what do we do about heat here? He shrugs and says, burn the books. <laughs> okay. He then holds up uh, 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 a matchbook. He wasn't kidding. 
I, I don't like I don't like to burn books, Tommy. I, I don't think we should burn the books. Let's find some wood. Yeah, yeah. Some books maybe, but not these books. Um, I would like you to do a spot hidden, William. Fail. Fail. All right. Tommy, can you do a spot hidden for me then? Try. <laughs> a 100. All right. You're blind. <laughs> I got snow in my eyes. You got snow in your eyes. You can't see. Um, essentially, all around you are books. There's maps all over the walls. Um, books are piling on the dining room table. There, every wall is covered with a bookshelf. It looks like Trent, before he died, um, went on some kind of crazy spending spree. Spending spree excuse me. Um, of esoteric knowledge. Who knows what's in here? Um, and uh, William, you're kind of gathering that Tommy kind of bought a place that seems a little weird. You see like on the wall, there is tacked up on the wood, a, uh, a painting, an old, probably seventh century painting of a continent called Mu, M-U-U. And it's, it looks like it's situated right next to South America, which does, which Mu does not exist. So why is it here? William, um, well, Williams, this is fascinating. Um, I, did you see there was a lamp on the table? The guy put a yes. lamp down. Mm -hmm. William reaches for the lamp and begins to scan around the room. He's, he's really war to use burn up any books but he's, he's looking for some fuel and a stove to see if we could get some heat going yeah um you found a stove um it's like a, it's a well it's a it's like a cast iron furnace it's just in the very corner of the room um it's beside a, a leather armchair that looks a little out of place because everything else in the cabin looks relatively rustic that looks like it was brought in from someplace um probably it was probably at trent's estate and he kind of shipped it over um, Jeff, uh, Tommy, sorry. You find a, a stack of wood. It's rotting a little bit because it's been out in the, the, the weather. It's outside. You'd have to go outside to get it. Mm -hmm. um, but when you spot it, you then hear the phone beside the door begin to ring. Maybe it's Amelia calling to see if you've arrived. Uh, well, you want to get that? I, I got my hands full of wood. Sure, sure, Tommy. William goes and picks up the phone. So you pick up the phone, um, and the very first thing that you hear is, this is a long-distance call. You accept the charges? Uh, 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 Tommy, can we accept the charges here for a long distance? Long distance? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I should be able to cover that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'm putting you through now. You hear the static, and then you hear breathing. Uh, hello, is this? Is this? And you can hear you hear papers ruffling. Uh, is this Tommy? Uh, 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 no, sorry. This is uh, William Olmsted Green. Uh, 
Tommy, somebody wants to speak to you. Who's calling? Uh, my name is Arthur. My name is Arthur. Arthur, Arthur. I don't know if I can trust you. I, I need to talk to Tommy, but I got this number from Amelia Court. I, I, I called her office. I've been trying to get in touch with Tommy. Uh, okay, uh, my apologies. Hold on a minute. Tommy, somebody wants to, Arthur, somebody called Arthur wants to speak to you here. It sounds important. I brush the snow off my boots, set the wood down. Uh, hello? Uh, Tommy? Is this, is, this, is this Tommy Anderson? You were, uh, and you hear papers. It's, it sounds like, like, uh, like, like, yeah, it just sounds like papers just all over the place. Is this Tommy Anderson? You're, you're, a, you're a law student. You're a law student with Miskatonic. You were uh, a year ago. You did the, the, the Rayleigh case, right? Yeah, yes. Who's this? My name is Arthur. Uh, I, uh, I've been calling people all night. Listen, you're in, where are you? Uh, right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Maine. Okay, let's see. You're, uh, the, the, the area code, you're in Masardis, Maine. Um, okay, uh, I have a case for you. Uh, I, I need help. Uh, let's see. Let's see. If you leave now and take the train from Oakfield, you can then show up in New York City tomorrow at 6. Uh, I need your help. I'm at a hotel called the Bellevue. It's on four, 43rd Street in the middle of Manhattan. Uh, I, 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 you're going to meet with some other people, uh, friends of yours, from the radio. From the radio? Yes, from the radio. The, the ones, the ones from, from, from the Dexter Fowler show. Oh, Dexter, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're, all, you're, you're, you're all here. You're all real. Uh, um, listen, can you please help me? I don't know if this is real or not. I am, I'm awake, but, but she's here with me. She's here with me now all the time. Who, Amelia? No, no, no. I don't know. I just... Please, uh, maybe I can explain when you show up. Please, just uh, hurry up. Please, I'll have your money waiting. And you hear the phone? Click. Well, that was weird. But he did say uh, an important word there. He said money. <laughs> ah... Tommy, you're you're a good lawyer, so you are. You're going to be a great lawyer. <laughs> Thank you. What, what what on earth was that all about, Tommy? I honestly don't know. I, uh, he said he got his, our names from Amelia. And and do you know this Arthur? No. No, I don't, I don't think I've ever met him. He sounded a bit nervous. Maybe he's just a, a, a schoolboy, and I just can't recall. Did he sound young? Um, no. No, he did not sound young. Okay. Um, you could definitely tell he was nervous. Um, yeah. And, 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 and like I said before, it sounds like there was, he was rustling papers constantly. Um, you don't know what that means, but he was just rummaging around in papers. Say, so, Tommy, was he, was he giving you some kind of address or something like that? 
Well, he, he basically just told us to take the train in Oakfield and meet him on uh, 43rd Street uh, tomorrow, I think he said. Tomorrow at Penn Station in New York City. Which means I think we have to leave now. We just got here. Yeah, to get through all this snow again. It's crazy. William's got his notebook out as always and he's taken down all the details. All right. So what would you guys like to do? How about the, the landlord? Is he waiting for something in particular for us to do something? Uh, he's just really waiting for you guys to leave. Uh, there's no plumbing, like he said. So he doesn't expect you guys to actually stay out here. Oh, okay. Uh, there's no plumbing. The, 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 there's no lights. The, the filaments have all burned out. Um, so he's really just waiting to take you guys back up to town because this is far out of town. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought we were staying here. Yeah. Okay, well, we've got a ride home, Tommy. So if we jump back in with the landlord, we can sort that out for tomorrow, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a plan. I mean, crazy plan, but... If nothing else, you, you get out of the snow, the blizzard. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. And he's, offer, he's offering you money, Tommy? He didn't say how much, but I heard he definitely said money and said we'd get paid. That I'll sounds split. swell. I'll split with whatever I get with you, in case in case he didn't he didn't specifically say you, but you're one of the best. <laughs> what good friends! Let's get out. Let's get out of this free, freezing place, Tommy. Let's go. They have such a well-established backstory. <laughs> um, okay, um, so you two leave. You begin heading back up to Masardis. Um, or I'm sorry if I'm botching the name of your town. Someone listening from Maine. Um, that's, I don't know how to say it, but, um, Tommy and Ken, something that you guys should take note of is as you are leaving the cab and you're driving back up the country road, um, about two miles out, the landlord doesn't stop, but about two miles out, you see, uh, a car that's parked off the road, light headlights are turned off. And there's a man standing out there, all black, scarf around his face. Bye. Uh, I don't know. Did did uh, Thomas freeze there? I, yeah. I never heard what you, I never heard what you said after the scarf around the face, Thomas. That's what I did. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, for some reason, my internet dipped out. I'm sorry if I kind of uh, froze there. Um, okay, so there's a man who's standing there, and he's literally just holding a cigarette. And as you drive by, uh, he just kind of, like, follows you and until he, you're out of sight. Uh, the obvious question, I don't recognize him. Nope, there would be no way. He's all wearing all black. It's night. He's got a scarf over the, the lower part of his face. Mm-hmm. And, and as well, you just get the feeling that somebody just struggling with the weather or was there something just creepy about it as we drove by, drove by? I mean, you could think that. You could think, oh, it's just some guy who's uh, sitting out there. His car probably died in the cold. But why would he be standing out there with a cigarette in his hand and just kind of just like standing there? He didn't flag William, you down. William pulls out his notebook. The stranger stood at the side of the road in the blizzard. 
I've, I've just got an idea for a story, Tommy. <laughs> What's it called? The Stranger in the Blizzard. <laughs> I like it. All right. So we're going to jump ahead in time here. We're going to jump to April 4th at 6 o'clock. All right. Penn Station. So smoke is swirling around Felix. He's the first one to step off the train into the crowded terminal with a sea of people just swarming around you. Uh, however, the people all move one of two ways, up the tile steps into the lobby or down into the terminals. Um, Felix, as you stand there looking around at the people moving around you, you spot someone that you recognize. Hawk. Hey. Oh. Hey, Hawk. Bambooly. Is, is that you? That's me. Is there like always smoke swirling around you? What is it, this? It, it comes with the job. You buy it in little tubes. How you doing, friend? Hey, I'm I'm not too bad. What what the hell are you doing in New York? Which is uh, a long way out of your territory. <laughs> yeah, I. To, to be perfectly honest, I don't know what I'm doing here either. I I figured I'd take a little time off and come up here. I got the strangest phone call yesterday, and. Uh, I'm supposed to meet someone. Hell, um... You look... I, oddly surprised. What What the hell? I got a strange phone call from a bit of a kook. Yeah. Telling me to come here, to be here at 6pm, that I'd meet someone I know, and then go on to some hotel somewhere uh, to geez. get paid. This is going to be some crackpot that's... He said he's been watching that show. Oh, hell, I thought this was a gig. Oh, shit. I We're mean, supposed to go to Manhattan? Proper word. Mid-Manhattan, he said. The Bellevue Hotel. 43rd Street, yeah. That's the one, yep. Yeah. Oh, boy. Told me I've got to say that I'm Roy Klein. Me, too. Oh, That's no, we can't weird. both be Roy Klein. there be Roy Klein? The Roy Klein brothers? Hawk. Yeah. As you're talking with Felix, by the way, is my audio better? I turned off yes. the audio chest. Got it. Um, Hawk, as you're sitting there talking to Felix, you then see coming off of an incoming train, Tommy and another college student. Um, um, Felix, is that Tommy... Anderson? Oh, great. We're all getting called. Sort of, what, are we having a reunion or what? I don't know who that guy is with him, but... The... Tommy! Yo, Tommy! <laughs> it's crowded in here. Hey, Tommy, that guy's shouting on you. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy. Uh, what the hell we're all doing here? Did you get a phone call from a weird guy? Yes, sir, I did. Where where were you coming from? That train wasn't coming from Massachusetts. That that train was coming from what, Maine? Maine, yep, me and my pal here. Holy this crap. is William by. William Umstead Green. Hi, this William. is uh, Clifton Hawk and Felix Epstein, otherwise known as the Great Bamboni. Good evening, to He's you. a magician. Wow. Magic. So 
who, who, what are we going to expect now? Um, are you guys behind this? Holy crap. I hope that Fowler doesn't show up. Shit. Fucking Fowler. I bet you he's behind this. I bet you he's behind this fucking thing. I'm not going to be on his damn show. He painted me to be like some sort of drunken asshole. Maybe you should be on a show. Set the record straight. I don't care. Yeah, well, I don't. My, I don't yeah, no, I'm not going to. My agent hasn't heard hide nor hair from him. Well, um, it's a little crowded in the terminal, so you guys are kind of shouting above each other. Um, the lobby would probably be a better suited place for you. Well, let's. We got plenty of time. We got it. We're not supposed to be there until what eight thirty. Uh, yep. Eight forty-five. Not one minute more. Not one minute less. Yep. Eight forty-five on Forty-third Street, which you have no idea where that is. Well, hey, I, I, know, I know where Just that go is. Go that way until you hit forty-three. I'm a I'm a New York local. I know where that is. Um, I was born here in, in in the city of apples. Tommy, are you supposed to be Roy Klein too? I don't recall him saying that. Oh. He basically just said I would be be meeting with you guys. Bellevue Hotel. I've heard that before. It's a famous hotel, big hotel. Yes. Manhattan. It's going to be nice. Yes, it is a big, huge uh, hotel. I believe it is. Let me see here. It is 15 stories. That's a big hotel. It's a. it, 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 it's it's up there with like the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. You know these modern buildings. Fifteen stories is pretty damn high. So Hawk, that is when you see coming down from the lobby. Oh shit. Dexter Fowler. Fuck, fuck, and you guys fuck, are man. you guys are right at the stairs. So you're and you're just standing there. People are just like going uh moving around you, so you guys stick out like a sore thumb. So, that, so Fowler sees you. Crap. Oh, no. <laughs> Fowler, did you set this up? No, I, I didn't set anything up. You look actually pretty good there, Clifton. Oh, you mean I'm not drunk? That's exactly what I was going to say. No, so I, haven't been, I haven't been drunk for nine months. Actually, how long has it been since the last episode? Uh, a year. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been drunk for nine months. So, are you supposed to also meet somebody at the Bellevue? Yes, I was told that I have to go. You know, listen, this is your fault. Some what? Some crackpot has been listening to your crackpot show on the crackpot radio, and he's going to hire us all. Uh, what the hell? All right. Well, I guess we better be going. Are we going to take a cab? No. I... Um. Go ahead, Fowler. I can't afford a cab. I I have a vehicle that I can. You have a vehicle. What do you got a vehicle in every city you go to? Well, this is like I live in New York, so. Ah. Uh. 
So you took the train to the... <laughs> no, I didn't take the train at all. I oh. drove here and the vehicle's waiting out front. Fine. All right. Gentlemen? So if you guys are all done here, you guys have all met, what would you like to do? I guess we will get in Mr. Fowler's car and head over towards 43rd Street in Manhattan. How far is that from Penn Station? I do not know. It is actually only about, let's see here. It is only about four blocks. Um, hmm. So, but as you guys exit out of Penn Station, um, you guys can hear shouting. Um, like, Chanting, shouting, it's loud. Yeah, um, we're in New York. <laughs> you're in New York in, in the Great Depression. Um, Fowler, as you were driving here, you saw what was beginning, the beginning stages of a very large workers' protest that's on March in uh, Times Square. Okay. I said, yeah, there's uh, apparently a uh, protest about some kind of worker strike. Yeah, well, good on them. They're not doing enough to help those guys. Yeah, good luck. Well, we should avoid that area. Well, unfortunately, 43rd Street is, is right next to Times Square. You're going to have to cut right through it. Well, then, Fowler, drive like a New Yorker. Just plow on through. <laughs> um, I'm not going to plow right through, but I am going to drive as... So as soon as we're in the car, mm -hmm. I'm going to lean up towards Fowler because I'm sitting right behind him. I'm going to say, so what the fuck is this painting me like I'm a drunken uh, fool on your show? Well... You were drunk, and when I, was I drunk? The whole time. I should know whether I was drunk or not. That's what an alcoholic says. As I recall, you did very little of anything in this whole case, and yet it looks like you did everything. You know what? Fine. I don't really care. You can have the publicity. You could share the money. Well, William is kind of looking from Clifton to Dexter to Tommy. Like, is a fight going to break out in this vehicle? No fight's going to break out in this vehicle. I, so, I sort of turn to William and I say, uh, William, William, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's Don't worry, we're almost done. <laughs> um. So Dexter, as you're, you're driving down um, the street, you're beginning to approach 43rd Street. Um, and you can see um, that going um, into uh, Times Square, there are hundreds of men that are just standing on 43rd Street. Uh, and almost as like a single voice, they're chanting, they're chanting don't trust trusts. Uh, many hold signs up. Uh, they're all reading different slogans, but they all pretty much have the same universal message, which is down with the monopolies. Um, as you're kind of going, you're going at like a snail's pace. It's bumper to bumper traffic. 
uh, as you're kind of driving Fowler, some guy rushes up to your window and pounds on the window and says, uh, take down the monopolies, stop union layoffs. And uh, he runs off. He also starts uh, shouting, Mayor Walker's destroying this city. Take New York back. And people are, are, are cheering at that. Um, along the street, they have uh, put up barricades. And what you can see is that there are cops almost every, uh, every couple yards. They hold um, pistols. They hold billy clubs. They're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting to get violent with these people. Oh, my uh, goodness. My goodness. I think we need to move fast here. I'm, I'm trying to, and I, like, the anger. The, and, the anger uh, was on the streets. It was about to boil over. Uh, Dexter, unfortunately, you may have to walk. You're not getting anywhere anytime soon. They've completely my. blocked off the street. Just park the car. Okay. I park the car, and I say, uh, you'll have to walk. It's not that far. Yeah, you're about two blocks away. It's not that far. Try to blend. Yeah, just just as we're getting out of the car, I'm, um, I'm just going to lean towards Fowler and say, uh, oh, and for the record, I still don't believe you're a detective. <laughs> well, I don't believe you're a magician, but all right. So I'll make you disappear. I got the chance. So as you guys are approaching, you've left your car behind. You see the 15-story Art Deco masterpiece that is the Bellevue. It's rising above all the other build buildings neighboring it with brass androgynous figures rising up from pillars with their hands reaching up towards the sky. Um, you can see that uh, police have kind of blockaded that area. There's only one way in. Uh, you can see that there are well-dressed women and men who are kind of shuffling inside with police uh, kind of pushing back people. Uh, does anyone have a credit rating over 50? No. 40. Also 40. No. No? Not even close. <laughs> then that is fine. Um, essentially what it means is that, especially when they see you, Tommy, um, Several of them are younger men, um, and they're like they're looking at you and they're pointing and they're they're shouting down with the trusts, down with Mayor Walker. Um, like they they kind of expect someone like you to join in um, and participate. Blend down with them. Whose streets? And then a bunch of them say our streets, but then the cops look at you and they look like they're gonna bash your skull in. And I quickly lower my hand. Um. You even, as you approach the Bellevue, you even um, see one of the protesters. Um, he grabs at some lady, some lady that like, she's just walking down the street. Um, and she's a little bit well better dressed than other people, but she's just walking down the street and he grabs at her and a, and a cop takes his, uh, his club and just bashes him in the skull and he goes down like a, like a sack of rocks. 
like and 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 people are, are rushing to his help and the cops are kind of swarming that section it's not welcome to new york in the grand Depre in the great depression like jeez we need to get off the streets uh so as you approach the Bellevue's doors, um, which I said, there's only technically one way in. It's the sidewalk. So good thing you guys are walking. Um, there is a cheery bell uh, uh, a doorman, and he's just standing there. Protest is going on literally not three feet away from him, and he's smiling, um, and he's kind of nodding at people as they walk by. And there's two 15-year-old boys with brooms, and they're pushing the trash that's being thrown at the... Uh, at the Bellevue's doors from the protest, and they're just pushing it back onto the streets, uh, trying to keep this part of the block nice and prim and neat for everybody inside. What would you like to do? Well, is it one of those swishy doors, or? Yes. Okay. I love those. Um, swishy. Yeah, it's, and it's I don't a, think it's, I heard that term before. It's a, it's I can't a, think of what it's called. It's a revolving door. Revolving door. There you and go. It's a, and it's a nice oak revolving door with like this ornate glass in the middle. It's it's very nice. And the um, and the man who's who, who's standing there, the doorman, he's wearing um a gold and green um like overcoat because it's it's rather it's rather cold outside. It's about forty degrees. And he's just standing there, straight, just kind of looking around, jolly uh, expression on his face. Um, but while you wants to head to the door and hope that the guy lets him through because he's really nervous about the situation on the streets. Okay. Yeah. Um, can I have Tommy? Can I have you do a spot hidden? Hopefully, this one should be better. And that is a pass. Um, is it a hard? No. 50 out of 70. All right. What you see is that down a ways, a couple blocks, I'd say about two or three blocks, down a ways, you see that there are about three cops, um, and there seems to be a little bit of a commotion. A car is trying to get by. Um, it's a black Chevrolet FB. Um, and Two cops are by the driver's side, and they're arguing with some guy in the window uh, of the car. There appear to be two people uh, in the car, from what you can tell. You can see the driver. Um, he's a thin man with greasy blonde hair and this kind of timid look. You wouldn't expect him to be driving on 43rd Street with this kind of protest going out. But they're arguing with the cops. They're, they seem to be like dishing it out. But they're across the street. You'd have to go through the uh, protest to get to them and they're like three blocks away um but other than that let's go to um let's go to william william you said you approached the, the revolving door yes um i'm assuming i'm looking good well dressed enough to to just get in but uh very nervous about the violence that might break out at any moment so oh yeah and, and there's there's there is violence breaking out like cops are are pushing back. Um, they haven't used. They haven't shot a gun, but they're like hitting people's hands as they touch the barricade. Um, they're 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 swatting at people who come within like two feet of the of the the wooden barricades that are blocking the street from the sidewalk. Um, 
And as you approach the doorman, he just looks at you and says, welcome to the Bellevue, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and he goes. Okay. So you walk in. What are the we all just goes? follow. Okay. And he says it to each and every single one of you. Welcome to the Bellevue. Welcome Good evening. To the Bellevue. Um, thank you. All right. So you guys enter into the Bellevue. As you pass through the revolving doors, you're just swept away by from the grit of the outside world and you're teleported into this glamorous jaw-dropping art deco like fantasy world there's a white and black marble floor it's polished so finely that you can make out your own reflection in it there's a red turkish rug that cuts through the middle of the lobby from the revolving door all the way to the concierge desk um, columns are rising up from the floor there's like a painted ceiling. It's a dome painted ceiling with chandeliers. Um, off to the sides of the rug, there are sitting areas where well-dressed men and women are sitting there smoking cigars and drinking brandy and just talking. And over to the side, there's a man playing a piano as if there's nothing happening outside. It's, it's, it's like these people have no clue what's going on literally three feet outside the door. What would you like to do? It is uh nearing just because it took so long to get to this point it's nearing 8 30. all right weren't well, we told, uh, told not to do anything until 8 45. that's yep. that's absolutely right i suggest we just sit down in the lobby and 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 wait for 15 minutes sounds right. like a good idea i will um, i will kind of sit down and i will listen to the music so you sit I'm, I'm going to sit in an armchair and um, read my book. All right. Um, you, you, you open your book and you're reading. And <laughs> well, 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 William is kind of gawping at the opulence and he pulls out his little notebook. And no. he, ste he stepped from the grit, gritty world of violence into the glory of opulence. Okay. Hawk? Tommy, should... Uh... Should we both go up and say that we're uh, Roy Klein, or should just one of us do it? Just, just tell him that. Uh, just say Roy Klein and party. There you go. All right, um, and you guys sit down. I'm imagining you're all kind of sitting together, and as you're sitting together, you can see that there are people nearby who are just kind of like looking at you, and they some of them even move. Um, like Fowler is what I would consider someone in the upper, but everyone, all the rest of you, especially Tommy and William, they see you, they see Tommy's cheap suit, especially. And they just kind of like, they, they kind of just like look at him. Like, why is he in here? Get up and then move. Yeah. Don't let it get to you, Tommy. We're all a bunch of snobs. All right. Who would like to go up to the concierge desk? Would all of you like to go, or would one of you like to go? What's the plan here? Um, we're we're just probably picking up a message. We don't even know what room to go to. Um, if you guys don't mind, I'll just go up and I'll ask for the message. Yeah, just just uh, just go and give them the name. All right. Um. So right on time. I'll walk up to the concierge and I'll say, oh, excuse me. 
Let's, um, if, I could, if I can do a tiny bit of backtracking. Okay. Hawk, as you're walking up, give me a spot hidden. Oh, two. All right. Nice. Good. Great. Um, I as got a Hawkeye. As you're moving towards um, the, the concierge, you're, you're looking around. Um, it's a magnificent building. There's a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, very, very Art Deco, a little bit of the Egyptian Renaissance in here. Um, but I don't care for this modern style. Something sticks out, though. Pressed up against one of the pillars, almost hidden in the shadow of the pillar, you see a man wearing a mustard-colored suit. He's rather large, balding. Um, he's got a hat kind of tucked into his armpit. And he's reading a magazine, uh, not a magazine, a newspaper that reads, Seabury uh, and Roosevelt push Walker investigation. Um, and he's just sitting there. Um, he, he, he just, he's, what, what sticks out is he looks a little out of place. You look around you and you see men and women in, in black and white, um, some of them kind of in casual lounge wear. He's wearing a mustard-colored suit. He's rather large. The buttons are kind of sticking out. Um, you can see that there's some sweat stains in the white of his shirt. But he's just sitting there, just reading it, reading a magazine. All right. I see him. I'm not, I'm not going to look directly at him. I'm going to look at him out of the corner of my eye. Okay. Um, and so you approach the concierge desk. Yeah. Let's go Excuse me. Yes, how can I help you, says a man behind the, uh, the, the, the desk. My name is Daniel. Can I help you with something? Uh, thank you, Daniel. Um, I am expecting to meet somebody here, and I was told to uh, uh, come to the concierge desk at this time. My name is Roy Klein. Roy Klein. Yes, do you have a message for me? Um, let me look. And he kind of turns around and he pulls out a ledger and he puts it on the, the desk in the lower portion to where you can't see it. And he begins slipping through. Um, and he's running his finger along and he stops and he looks up at you with this kind of like, and then looks back down. He closes it and goes, um, welcome to the Bellevue, Mr. Klein. Here is your room key. And he puts it on the, uh, the, the, the desk. Uh, mm -hmm. The room is uh, 1521. You'll just take the elevators over here to the side um, and you'll go up to the 15th floor. It's going to be, floor. yes, the top floor, sir. It's going to be our, in our, one of our penthouse suites. Working stove, everything, balcony that overlooks uh, the Times Square, wonderful. And he kind of smiles. But you can tell that there's this kind of like, how did you, do, how did you get this room? Oh, <laughs> don't be, don't be fooled by appearances. And he, and he kind of, he says, well, if there's anything I can do to help you. Thank you. And he, and he nods. So I go back to the others and I say, nope, it was just a false alarm. You can all go and I'm going to stay. <laughs> no, I'm going to say, holy smoke. We're going up to the penthouse, boys. Oh, looks like we're going to be living the high life. 
Well, I don't know that we're going to live here, but I got the key. What an adventure this is turning out to be, Tommy. Guys, yeah. you know what else? Um, what's with the guy in the mustard uh, suit over there? You see him? Don't and, look right at him, but just, you know. And when you uh, kind of motion over to him, uh, the, the others can't see him because they're sitting down. The pillar actually blocks him. Ah. You're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you, you've seen him, so you know where he is, but the others, you know, they'd have to stand up and kind of move over to the side to spot him. What did you say that the guy that we're going to meet, his name is? You said it in the car? Arthur. You said his name is Arthur. Arthur. Did you say, are we supposed to meet Recline, or you're supposed to say you're Roy Klein? I was told to, to say that I was Roy Klein. Yeah, so was I. Let's just go up to the 15th floor. Let's see what's up there. I'm really surprised, though, that the 15th floor is on the top. Well, where did you think it would be? The basement? Second yeah. from the top. Uh, I don't expect that there's a 13th floor in this building. No, there's technically 14. <laughs> it's, 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 All right, let's go. Yeah, found the one plot hole. Keep, uh, your, uh, yeah, keep your eye on Mr. Mustard, Colonel Mustard over there. <laughs> As we head towards the lift, um, because Clifton mentioned it, I kind of glance back uh, to see if the gentleman's still hanging about. Yeah, he's Is just... It, He's he's just standing there. He's it's like he's he, he's just reading a newspaper. He's just like engrossed in that. Like he sticks out. Are there two little holes cut in the newspaper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, it, you know, even by not directly looking at him, you can tell that he's not like looking around and then going back down. He's just reading the no newspaper. Sometimes he's checking his watch, but he's reading the newspaper. All right. I don't know why, but you know. Us detectives, we don't uh, we don't miss a dan we don't miss a thing, right, Fowler? Yes, Clifton. Yeah. Sometimes you have to check room fourteen or fifteen times before you find the clue that you're looking for. <laughs> you got to make sure there's definitely no there's a person crawling on my floor. Uh, you got to definitely make sure that there's no hidden room. Yeah, press every inch of the walls <laughs> to make sure there's nothing there. We got a little eyeball that popped up there, Thomas. I know. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Um, All right. So, so we probably have to tell the elevator man, 15th floor, please. Actually, this is, it's electric. You hit a button, it goes right up. What? Yeah. That's witchcraft. Yeah. It's 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 new. I mean, they only started making them in uh, 1928. Not a whole lot of hotels had them, but this one does. It's a it's a it's like I said, it rivals the Ritz Carlton. They put a lot of work into this. What are these modern hotels? I can't stand this. It's like all the decorations, like from outer space. It's all modern and. <sighs> all right. So you I like go. it, and I like the Egyptian stuff, especially. Oh yeah, um, in the elevator you can see that the, the floor is like a polished brass um, and then there's mirrors on the ceiling and all over the walls um, there are slightly indented like, like fake pillars that kind of stick up and you can see that there are uh, quasi-Egyptian like statue and figures kind of like posing out of them. So 
A very interesting design choice. Any music playing in the elevator while we're going up? Oh, no. They probably didn't do that yet. No, music like... playing in the elevator? Carl, you really do want to live in the future, don't you? What, well, they, you know, band in here? Yeah, they stick people up on the roof while you're going up. The hell it's only hard do. when you get to the top floor. <laughs> Which is where you're going. And so while you guys are exchanging this, the doors then open and they reveal a hallway. Um, plush green floor, the same kind of uh, architecture as the first floor, Egyptian. Um, there, it's it's beautiful. Um, in fact, the pillars are holding the lamps. They're, 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 the, the the statues. They're kind of extending their arms, and they're in in their hands is a bowl, and that's where the light is. So, You're Dexter. I'm starting to think maybe I would like a piece of that money after all. Really? Mm-hmm. You ever been sued for libel? You're really gonna sue me now. Let's get let's get then we'll talk details after. Alright. Alright. Did someone say lawsuit? <laughs> That's right. We got William right here. You know, he my 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 lawyer says I should trademark my stage name. You wanna change your stage name? No, I need to trade I've trademarked it. Oh, trademarked it, okay. Yeah. I was thinking you're gonna go for Zamboni or something like that. No, no. I was gonna. I was thinking of becoming a mentalist. Um, you know, getting a turban, calling myself um, the Great Pashwari Nan. But there you go. I don't know. I don't know if the market's ready for it yet. I don't know why you don't just go with the Great Epstein, because you are the Great Epstein. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, things are changing. It's a lot less showy now. I'm doing a lot more uh, close-up magic, card magic, you know, little parties and things, and nightclubs. A woman no then grand delusions anymore. A woman then walks into the elevator because the doors are open, um, and uh, and she looks at the uh, she looks at you guys and she's going down. Uh, no, but you don't have to do that anymore. You can just push the button on the wall and it goes down by itself. Crazy. Well, I, I know. I've I've been here for some time. I'm I'm wondering if you're going down. Oh no! I'm sorry. We're we're leaving the elevator. And and she kind Should of like our shoes. Should you? Maybe. No, I'm 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 being snatched. Ooh, hoity toity. Maybe. Look that's, at that's dirty shoes on floor. these beautiful carpets. Well, it's it's not it's not car it's just like a plush floor. There's like a padding underneath the the felt of the floor. It's very right. it's very so fancy. We want right. fifteen twenty one. You walk to 1521. Um, you find it, like you said, it, it's, it's, uh, it would be on the west side of the, uh, of the building. It overlooks Times Square. Um, the balcony does, at the very least. Um, okay, the door is closed. Um, 1521. Does anybody have the way that we're supposed to knock? Is it like some secret code or something? No? Did they not give you a key? Oh, they give me a key. Should we Should knock, you... though? What if the guy's in there? Hey, just see if you've got a key. I'm going to knock anyway. Oh, room. <laughs> you knock, and the door opens at the force of your knock. Rather cheap doors. It cracks open, and do you see that the door was left ajar, and it cracks open? It's pitch black inside. Okay. I'm going to push the door open. 
uh, light kind of penetrates. There's a long hallway that leads into um, a kitchen and a living room. Light uh, switches. You, uh, there is a light switch right there. You flip it, nothing happens. But what you see is it's it's just, it's just pitch black. Um, however, inside you can see that there's something flickering. Something is flickering on and off. Well, Fowler, um, now's your chance to shine. Ha ha ha. Very funny there. Uh, oh, I was being serious. Go right ahead. We're behind you. Okay. I will uh, go ahead and I'll like, hello. Is anyone there? All right. So you walk inside. Um, and I look so- at everybody else and I go. <laughs> so, Fowler, you pass into the hallway. You're kind of enveloped in this darkness. Um, to the right is the light switch. Um, and there's also, you can see that there's a linen closet there. Um, and further down, you see that there's an entrance into a kitchen area, and uh, the hallway then opens up into a living room. What would you like to do? Is, can I try a light switch? Nothing. You're flipping it. Nothing's happening. Okay. Um, I will go into the kitchen area. Um, all right. As you're walking down the hallway, we're we're following, by the way. Okay. Um, Hang on, I, William. William, let them go first. Um, so you guys okay. also you pass by the light switch, the linen closet. You can see that there are fixtures on the wall where the lights should be working, but nothing comes out of them. Um, okay. So Fowler is entering into the kitchen. Where does everyone else want to go? What does everyone else want to do? I'm I'm heading towards the living room. Is there by chance at any point a light next to where I'm standing? Technically, yes. So can I can I reach up and see if the light bulbs have just been unscrewed? Um so you reach in and you find um Is the light bulb hot or cold? There's no light bulb, period. All oh. you feel is glass. It's been broken. Okay. And when you lift your hand up and out, blood. <coughs> Felix, <coughs> Felix begins coughing behind you. Oh. God, man. Just, sorry, just sorry, sorry. Is wrap it my that blood? Up with something did I cut myself? No, you did not cut yourself. Okay. Um, are you all right? You're not, you're not bleeding, are you? It's not my blood. Oh boy, here we go. Um, I guess William, you should get your your notepad out because you're going to have something to write about if we survive. Just, just as long as there's no blood. Just don't do that to me again. Just like if if, if we stick your hand somewhere, just give me give me some warning first. I'm going right? to pull out my lighter and at least light my lighter. Sure. With a little bit of light. I, I assume we didn't just walk around with flashlights in our pocket so no um flashlights are big they're like that big so a lighter works um fowler you're going to enter into the kitchen um very first thing that you see and you turn to look into the kitchen is there's ice littering the black hardwood floor like that's the very first thing you see Ice, like chipped ice, like ice, like, like, because there's no ice cubes. You had to like chip away at ice. So there's just ice fragments all over the, uh, the floor. Okay. I 
Then I again say, hello, is anybody there? No one answers. Arthur? No one answers. Okay. Uh, what, what, what time is it again? Is it evening? It is 8.50 p.m. So if we, uh, are the, the curtains closed? Could we open the curtains? Would that let any light in or is it too dark? Um, it's there. You would let some light in. It's New York City, so it, and you're right next to Times Square, so light would be coming in. Not a whole lot. It wouldn't like illuminate everything to where you could see everything, um, but it would allow some light. Well, William, head you know tentatively heads towards the curtains to maybe let some light in. Let's oh. see if I can find a candle or something. Is there is there a uh, refrigerator in there? Is it open? Um, yeah. So. Uh, so, Fowler, you step inside. There is a refrigerator. You step inside, and um, all of you hear a crunch beneath Fowler's feet. Would you step on, Dexter? Uh, if you were to lift your feet up, Fowler, it's glass. Shards glass. of glass. Okay. Um, it seems to be mixed in with the ice. Um <laughs> And I say glass, ice. Yeah. Uh, William, as you kind of pass into the living room, the living room and the kitchen, uh, they overlook one another. They're, they're kind of connected. It's, it's almost open concept. Um, and so you see Fowler kind of standing there, but what you also see is on the breakfast nook is a tipped over bottle of half-drunk brandy with the cap off. So liquid is just kind of sloshing around. It's 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 poured out onto the breakfast nook. Uh, beside it, you see a red striped tie. And you're in the, the, the living room. So let me explain to you what you're seeing in the living room. Um, so there's a sofa, a coffee table, an armchair, and a corner bar with like a radio on it. Um, there are papers everywhere. They litter the floor, the couch, the table. They're on the corner bar. It's everywhere. Handwriting, notes, the newspaper articles, everywhere. Um, one that you see, William, because you're the first one to enter, it's literally on the top of the coffee table. It's a, news clipper, uh, uh, it's a newspaper clipping that reads, Massacre. It's the same Arkham Gazette article that was talking about the events of Crimson Letters. Uh, I, I just kind of announced to everyone, uh, uh, you know, there's papers every year. There's a story here, everybody, about a massacre. Uh, and I think somebody's been attacked in here or something. You know. Look, well, we, you need some, we need some light. Um, uh, Fowler, is there like a tea towel or anything in the kitchen on the counter? No. Uh, no. And as Fowler is looking around, Fowler spots the um, he spots the the refrigerator, which is slightly ajar. So, um, in in old refrigerators, there's like there's a bottom part, and then you stack on top. There's there's a there's a freezer. Right. Yeah. So yes, the, the 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 fridge door is slightly ajar, but what's fully open is the freezer. Okay. Um, do you want to look inside? What, I what, am. 
I am going to look inside. Yes. Okay. Um, but you're saying it's really dark in here. Yeah. I mean, your, your, your eyes can, it's not like so pitch black. Your eyes will eventually adjust. Well, uh, let me give my intention. My intention is if I can find just a piece of cloth mm-hmm. or something, I'm going to step out into the hallway and steal one of the light bulbs from the lamp out there, bring it in here and stick it in the lamp. Sure. And, um, and yeah, there, there, there's the red tie that's on the uh, breakfast nook. So you can just take that and go outside okay. and unscrew it. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. So we can go oh, um, in here. Actually, even better, there's a linen closet. You could just go to the linen closet. It was right by well, the front it, door. Okay. Yeah. Then I'll do that. Okay. Just a hand so, towel or something so I don't burn my fingers on the light bulb. Okay. So you approach <laughs> the uh, linen closet um, and you open it. And there's nothing in the linen closet. Everything's been pulled out. All what the, the heck is going on here? All the hand towels, all the towels, everything's been pulled right out. Does anybody have a handkerchief? Surely. Oh, great, Bamboni, you have a handkerchief. I produce a handkerchief. Okay. And it's purple. That's just amazing. Wow, that was great. (laughs) It's it's either a handkerchief or the flags of all nations again. It's it's, a dove. It's self Go ahead. Uh, don't fly out, no? No. No, no flying doubts, no. So, um, Fowler, um, you look in the icebox as, as Hawk goes to the linen closet to, uh, and, and, and he takes a, a handkerchief to, to get the, uh, the light bulb. Um, you look in the, uh, in the icebox. I mean, it's just a tipped over icebox. Give me an intelligence roll, though. Okay. I pass. Because 39. The ice pick is missing. Okay. Um. Dun, dun, dun. Um. Tommy, where are you? I remember when the door first opened, you said something about a flickering light. Yes, there is a door. Um, there, there's a closed door uh, that is in the wall of the living room. Um, and beneath the door frame, there's a flickering light. It's, it's spazzing out of control. So it's a, okay, it's a closed door. Um, it's a closed door, most likely to a bedroom or a bathroom. Yeah, I'm going to make my way to that to see if that sheds any more light on the subject. Okay. Um, so you're going to push open the uh, door and it reveals a bedroom. It's completely destroyed. Uh, sheets have been pulled off of the bed and they are on the floor. Um, the ceramic uh, lamp that was sitting on the end table, the end table has been pushed over. The ceramic part of the lamp is broken. The bulb seems to have uh, dislodged and that's why it's flickering. It's on the ground, just kind of spazzing out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, uh, what you see is that there's also a suitcase that's on the bed with the sheets pulled off. It's open and you see that clothes have been piled inside. Give me a spot hidden. Oh, yeah. Uh, 06. Something sticking out from underneath the bed. 
not a body part, is it? It's just something something white sticking out. I'll get on my hands and knees and inspect to see what it is. Alright. Um, so you get on your hands and knees. We're going to go back to Tom. Alright. So Tom, you've taken your you've walked back into the hallway where would you like to put your light bulb you mean cliff um uh well, cliff's got the light bulb he comes back in and uh i want to get sort of a spot that will illuminate both the kitchen and the living room okay so if there's um, a light that's sort of there yeah there's a there's a there's a, a a colander that's right above like the bedroom door that you could probably turn it in and it illuminates the uh it'll illuminate the living room of the, the kitchen all right so that's where i try to put the light bulb and flip on the switch all right um so as soon as you put the light bulb in it illuminates so that's unsafe. Oh. <laughs> um so william because you're standing in the uh let there be light because you're standing in the uh the living room uh you can see that also on the coffee table, surrounded by uh, all the papers, you see that there's a legal pad and it has a list of names on it, all the way from the top to the bottom. And so the bottom ones, they read Dean Fallon, Professor Baxter, uh, Diana, and they've been crossed off. And at the very bottom, you see uh, Amelia Court, Dexter Fowler, and they've been circled. Um, uh, Felix. Oh yeah. no, actually. Um, well, let, let's let if, if, we'll go to Felix in just a second. William, what you also see oh. on that uh, on that piece of paper um, are notes that say stuff like "won't respond," "doesn't know." Next to the names, it's kind of sporadic. Um, and at the bottom, in the circled portion, there's a little line, and it goes, and there's a there's a phrase: "They know." exclamation point as i look at the pad and and flick it over is that the end of the notes after the names of our party people that, that um, know? or is there other names or is it there, there are other names it's 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 names of tommy's family felix's uh former uh former professional uh, actors uh uh felix's former agent dexter's former agent dexter's lawyer Diana, uh, uh, the, the madam from uh, Arkham, Hawk is on the is on the list. I'm I'm like, um, guys, this is kind of scary. All of our all of your names are on this, and lots of other people that I think may be connected. And I, I explain everything that I've I've just read to whoever's within earshot. Yeah, um, I imagine it was kind of difficult for him to find out where we were. Looks like he's. You say he's got a list of just about everybody we know. It's Is there said, more information it, or just names? It says that you know and other people don't know, and you guys know. Is there anything so, else about what's known? Is there any other notes about? No. Well, um, we could tell you some stories, but there's yeah, and, and and Hawk, if you approach, you can see that there are other notes. Um, they're they're small. They're they're. It looks like almost scribbles. He has terrible handwriting. Diane. Um, they look like uh, it looks like like phone numbers maybe were written on something. Like you can see the imprints of a heavy hand writing a phone number. So this must be the guy that phoned everybody that was here, trying to work out who to get in touch with. And where is he now? How about the bathroom? Uh, you don't see a bathroom in here. Let's go to Felix. 
Felix, where are you? That's because rich people don't shit. <laughs> they have servants to do that for them. You are muted currently, Felix. I cannot hear you. I was I was just gobsmacked. Where would you where would you like to be? Um, well, I was um, I had been in the hallway mm-hmm. giving the handkerchief to. Uh, hawk um i would have been in the living room give me a spot hidden setting down my suitcase yes 14 you see that beside the sofa there's a trash bin that's filled with these crumpled up papers Um, I'm gonna have a look. All right, you go over. It's just a, it's just a waste bin, crumpled up papers. What do you want to do? Well, I'll, I'll, um, I'll smooth a few of them out. And... So, you, 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 you grab the top one. That's probably gonna be the most recent one. Yeah. Open it up. It is a drawing very crude, of what appears to be a woman with red eyes, black, black form of a woman, two huge red eyes staring directly out of the picture. Every drawing in the trash can is of this woman of varying detail. Some are more detailed, others are just like doodles. Or, or, it's Every single one is this Female form, red eyes. No features other than like a body, the proportions, and then the two red eyes. Well, I'll, I'll smooth a few of them out and uh, just lay them out on the uh, on what I presume, there, uh, well, I presume there's a coffee table. Oh, yeah. That's where everything else is. So as you guys are talking about the list, Felix just starts laying this stuff out. Um, and... As you're laying it out, Felix, on the farthest corner of the coffee table, uh, the papers blow away. Why would they do that? Is there a window open in here? Um, With that, you kind of look around and you see that there's a balcony door. It's the same balcony that overlooks Times Square and it's partially open. I'm going to um, take out a cigarette and light it to sort of steal myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I wander over to the balcony and just uh, with my free hand, just push the door open a bit and, and look out onto the balcony. Okay. You look out on the balcony, beautiful, um, beautiful shot of uh, Times Square. It's, it's a, it's a, a west-facing balcony, Times Square. You can see, you can hear the protests going out in the street. Um, nothing really out here, though. It's just a balcony, just an just a extension. There's no part of the balcony that's... Um... Is the, is the entire balcony visible from the, the door? 
Um, yeah, actually, the, well, the door is, um, it's like a, it's like a wood framing and then uh, glass and then there's curtains over the glass. So, um, so yeah, if you were to just pull the curtains up, you could see out on the balcony. Okay. Um, from the balcony could see inside. Well, I'm, I'm, um, I'm just going to step out on the balcony and just uh, look over. Okay. You just see the street. People are, uh, there's other balconies further down um, on all the other floors. Uh, well, on the upper floors. The lower floors don't have balconies. Um, but you can see, you know, you can see the people in the street. The light of, uh, of street lights and car lights. Shot of the city. It's beautiful. I'll go back in, but before I do, I'm going to just look up. You see um, the, out, the outcropping of the roof, and then probably that's probably all you see. It's just the outcropping of the roof because it probably slants up. Hmm. So, Tommy, I'll let's go. go back in and I'll, I'll close the door behind me. Okay. Tommy, let's go back to you. All right. Um, you kind of get on the on, on the ground, and you say you 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 reach under the bed, right? Okay. Or maybe you lift the the bed up. like to sure. look. You lift it up, and what you see underneath the bed are shredded towels, hand towels, and linens. They've been completely torn apart. They've been shredded. Um, they appear to have been ripped in strips. Is there any order to it? Um, no. Um, but as you do, you grab one and actually pull it out. Yeah, I would take. I would take a look at one. They appear. Some of them have like this, like yellow crust on them. Yeah. Uh, do you have a medicine, biology, or natural world skill? No medicine. Base, natural world. What was the other one? Biology. Uh, 40% biology. Go ahead and roll that for me. Oh, no. 70. Um, yeah. I don't really know what it is. It's just like this yellow crust... It, it's dried onto the, the towels and the sheets that have been shredded up. I have quite a high skill in ew. In ew? Yeah, it's ew. gross. I and you know, it. you, you know it's gross. Um, yeah. And when you drop it, give me another spot hidden. Wow. Oh, nine. Oh, nine? All right. What you see beneath the 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 debris and all that stuff tucked underneath the end table you're gonna have to move it to get to it is the corner of a photograph i will definitely pick that up and look at it can you see that yes all right Two young boys and a woman, most likely their mother. Okay. Okay. Um, as you pull it out, 
um, the back reads in faded ink. Timothy, Arthur, and Mother. 1989. Okay. And yeah, let's move back to the uh, the group in the living room. What would you guys like to do now? <clears throat> um, I'm going to take a rather thorough look around. I'm not going to look at the papers yet. I'll let uh, uh, William take care of that. I want to see if there's any evidence of blood or a struggle or I know you said things are kind of torn up. Give me a spot hidden then. Uh, 93. It's too messy. I can't see anything. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not coming together in my head yet. Um, because you're law enforcement, give me an intelligence roll. 57. My intelligence is 80. Yeah. There may have been a struggle. There may have been, but the papers seem laid out. That seems deliberate. So where has this Arthur fellow gone? And I, I walk into the, the bedroom and I say, um, Tommy, what's going on? What have you found? Anything? A couple things. And I'll point out the torn towels and show him the photograph. What the um, hell? Who else enters into uh, the bedroom? Is that blood on your hands, Mr. Hawk? Yeah, but it's not mine. Somebody broke the light bulbs. We're not gonna. Are we in trouble? Are we gonna get charged for all this damage? <laughs> We're all gonna walk out very quietly. I sure hope not. Um. It should be noted that um, I have not mentioned a bathroom. Bless you. You have, I have what? Not, I have not mentioned a bathroom. I um, did. Uh, but the bathroom is uh, the bathroom door is in the bedroom. It is closed. Oh, so when I when I asked and you said there was no bathroom. There's no bathroom in the living room. Okay. Not that you can see. Entering into the. Yeah, there's a yeah here's the bathroom. I'm going to go check the bathroom. I wanted to do that earlier anyway. Wash your hands while you're in there. I'll, I'll go into the bathroom too. Just get your ass away from me. <laughs> hey. Hawk, you turn the knob and you push open the door. And you can see the lights are on in here. Okay. What you see is truly disturbing blood everywhere lying on the ground face up is a man his jaw is slumped open resembling a, a twisted scream this portion of his face for the people listening to this I'm, 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 I'm highlighting my eyes and my nose is completely gone it's red mush his eyes mm. are also mushed in his hand, limply held, is an ice pick. 
covered in blood. His entire arm is just like it's like it's like like oil. It's just all over him. Um, there's blood that's cu- uh, that's like pooling but beneath his head um, from where he's laying on the ground. Both of his hands are cut up, and you can see that there's glass still in his hands. Looks like he he took the bulbs and crushed them with his own hand. And the most chilling part of this is written in blood on the mirror above the sink are the words, it's her. The R drips, it, 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 kind, of, uh, it kind of slopes off towards the toilet as if he wrote it and then fell. Well, gentlemen, I think I found our man. Can, uh, I, can I have uh, everyone do uh, a, a sanity roll just so we can get that out of the way? Because I'm assuming everyone's going to look. Yeah, I've seen dead bodies. Well, what, have, what have you found? Oh, my God. Yeah, what, what we Ooh. kind of expected when we came in here, I passed. Okay. Um, I, I feel. Uh, William. I have passed the sanity roll, but I have failed the constitution roll that I have just decided to make after it. Felix vomits. William William screams. I was going to say, William, have you ever seen a dead body? No, 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 no. Here you go. How much sanity do I take off, Thomas? Um, If you you fail, it's one. If you pass, it's zero. It's just a body. How's Fowler doing? <laughs> um, he's shaken. He's clearly visibly shaken. Like the, the blood's kind of run from his face. Well, I want to open up the door all the way. Okay. And see what else I can see. Okay. Um, I'm going back in the living room. I'm, I'm, I'm going back. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. All right. Um, I think I might even go out on the balcony and get some fresh air because... Yeah, yeah, you 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 I mean you're you're the detective. You 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 deal with that. I'm I'm gonna I'll 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 search the living room a bit more. Okay. How about that? That's yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do that. I'm I know hiding places. I'll search under the sofas and chairs and underneath the coffee table, all the kind of places I'd hide something. I'll just do that just to get on with doing something. So I I just don't want to be in there. Well, well, William follows Felix. He's feeling quite disturbed and sickened, and uh, he says to Felix on the way out, I, I, "I was hoping that you would show us a card trick when we got up here." Yeah, maybe uh, later. Maybe later, kid. I what mean, we're going to have to do oh. is we're going to have to alert the authorities. Um, you all don't have to be here. I'll be here, um, but. Uh, I want to see if there's anything, any more clues, anything in here that will tell me, was he trying to give us a message? Was he? Of course. Um, so the people in the room still are Tommy and Hawk, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably be just, I'm letting Hawk go in first, but I'll kind of be standing in the bedroom, I guess. Okay. Um, Hawk, you're an investigator with law enforcement, so go ahead and give me a spot hidden first. Okay. Uh, 30 even. Okay. Uh, and spot then... hidden is... Oh, yeah. That's actually uh, better than half. That's okay. a hard. Um, and now give me an intelligence roll now that you've passed the spot hit. 
47. Yes, that's a pass, but it's not a hard. Okay. So what you're gathering from the scene um, with those rolls is that um, there's blood all over the sink. There's blood everywhere, but there's blood yeah. in the sink. It it's, looks to me like he gouged his own eyes out. Yeah, it looks like he gouged his own eyes out uh, and his ears. He, he, his ears are also mush. They're, it looks like he stabbed at his ears and right. stabbed at his eyes. Um, but it looks like he did it over the sink. Okay. Um, and due to the varying degrees of the drying blood, um, it's apparent that Arthur first stabbed his eyes and ears and then painted the message. Okay. Okay. Um, none of you have a medical background, correct? The two in the room? No. Um, I have no medicine. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's fine. Got a very high first aid. My mother's a nurse, if that helps. No, that does not help. I need a career in medicine. Can I call her? <laughs> All right. Um, Tom, you are, however, uh, law enforcement, so don't be afraid to do whatever you need to. I'm not. Um, I mean, I'm out of my jurisdiction, but, uh, you know, I know how to handle that sort of thing. Um, I want to check, you know, I, maybe I pull out a pen or something like that so that I'm not touching him, but I want to check in his, you know, is he wearing a suit? Yeah, he's wearing the, uh, the, uh, a white button-up shirt. Um, it's, the it's sleeves so are rolled. Anymore, right? No, the sleeves are, the sleeves are rolled up. Um, and he's also wearing uh, what look like khakis, something, okay. something more casual. Does he have a jacket uh, on? No. Okay. No, just I'm going to check, I'm going to check pockets. Okay. See if I can get identification. Okay. Um, so what you do is, is you're, you're rifling through. Um, with your pen, you've managed to feel something and you kind of drag it out. It's a wallet. Okay. Um, you also feel around. Um, so there's the wallet. There's a dime. So about a dollar. All right. Um, there's a matchbook from Idol's Jazz Alley. And a identification card with uh, his name. His name is Arthur Tucker. Um, it's a Georgia. It's a Georgia driver's license, by the way. That's George. The, that's, it's a Georgia Georgia driver's license. Um, on driver's licenses, they have emergency contact information on the back parts of them. On the back is the emergency contact. Uh, Timothy Tucker. Tucker. Okay. Is there a phone number? Uh, no, but there is an address. Address. Okay. I'll just write down address. And the address is in Queens. Queens. Okay. So just across the bridge. Not far from here at all. Um, all right. Okay. Tommy, what would you like to do? You're, you, you've been kind of quiet. Uh, I'm kind of looking over Hawk Solder as he's on his. Did, did you share any of this information? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I, I'm actually really friendly about that. I'm like, look here. See this? See this? It's obviously that he, he jammed this into his own eye. Oh, no. I don't want to see that. Well, and, and with Hawk pointing that out, um, Hawk, you can clearly see that the metal rod. That, that metal, that steel stick, mm -hmm. it's bent. 
yeah he was he was pounding his own face with it it looks like yeah see when he hit there he this hit bone and it bent the ice pick and that's pretty damn hard because that ice pick is a uh, that's meant to be banged against the ice you know I'm sorry, guys. This is really gruesome in here. Now, I'm going to call law enforcement. If you all want to vacate, um, unless you don't, that's going to be harder to explain while we're all up here. But so you're you're telling this all to Tommy. You're having this exchange. I want I want to. You're 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 doing this. I want to now go back to the others. Okay. Um. Tell me what everyone's doing. Tell me what William and Exeter and Felix are doing. Well, William wanted to go back to the the notes and the pages because this is the only real information we've got as to why he contacted us. <clears throat> it's also struck my mind that all these crazy drawings of this woman with red eyes, I saw what was written on the mirror. And I remember somebody said in one of the phone calls that um, he's, he said something about, Arthur said something about, she's here, you know, she's here with me and, and talking about dreams and things like that. So um, I'll maybe explain that to everybody a bit later, just kind of putting all these thoughts together. So I maybe shout through to Clifton Hawk because he's the lawman. Would it be okay if we take some of these notes to, to away with us so we can try and work out what's going on? I uh, I sort of stick my head out of the bathroom when I say, uh, listen, William, um, we know this guy committed suicide. We know that he was crazy and all that. If you think that we should pursue some more information, maybe there was something weird going on here, go right ahead. Yeah. Collect, collect them all. They're not going to help. The, the police don't care about that sort of shit. They just want to know that the guy's dead and that he killed himself. Okay, Fowler. Mr. Mr. Hawk, yeah. Fowler, what are you doing? Where are you? I basically am in the living room. I'm kind of like... Kind of, I'm kind of shocked to see this guy like the ice pick and stuff in, the, in his... It's a little and, too real. Yeah. So right. I am going... I'm kind of catching my breath and I'm kind of in the living room right now. Are you also in the living room then, Felix? Kind of keep the everyone together? We'll he's, say he's in the living room. He's in the ice box. He's yeah, been we'll seriously see. affected by what he just saw. We'll say, he was in, we'll say he's in the living room. So William has just gotten done shouting this to Hawk. That is when you hear the floorboard creak in the hallway. William, if you were, William and Dexter, when you turn and look... There is the man, the mustard suit man. He's coming out of the darkness into the light, pistol drawn, sweat beating down uh, his forehead. He looks like, he, he looks confused. He looks shocked. And he says, put your hands up now. Well, William lets out a scream. All right. So you hear a scream from, from William. What, what's going on? Uh, you hear... Uh, you hear a man's voice shout, who else is here? Um, I sh- go out into the living room. I pull my gun out as I'm going. Uh, as soon as, as uh, so as soon as you come out, he points the gun over to you. 
Um, are you visibly like the gun is like almost out? Well, I, 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 well, as soon as I heard somebody else out there, I pulled my gun out Okay. before I actually went, went out of the living room. Okay. Um, as soon as he sees the gun, like you can see like panic and he, and he says, put the gun on the ground now or I I'm shoot like, you. I'm like, uh, law enforcement, who are you? I'm law enforcement, Marcus Finley. And he, and he reaches in and he pulls out PI papers. He says, who the fuck are you people? I'm like, I, I, put, I point the gun back up like this. And I'm like, I pull out my thing. Detective Hawk. Uh, Detective Clifton Hawk. And he, uh, and, he, and, and, he, and he looks at it and he says, throw it over to me. I throw it over to him. And he catches it and he kind of brings the, the gun up and he looks um, and, he, and he throws it back. And he says, and who are they? They're just my companions, and they're on this case with me. Um, and I, I, I just put my gun away. I said, "Please." Uh, we saw you down in the in the uh, in the lobby, looking rather suspicious. We were wondering who you were. Uh, um, he kind of looks past you, Hawk, and he says, "Where's Arthur?" In a very stern. And I gave him a, I gave him a matter of fact sort of look, and I'm just like, come on. I said, I'm afraid your friend is no longer with us. So you showed him the body. Well, as I'm as I'm taking him there, I just sort of put my hands on his shoulder and I say, if you're not used to this, brace yourself. And he uh, steps inside, and he kind of looks down, and he kind of just presses his back up against the the door, and he just goes, shit. I'm not getting paid enough to deal with this. Um, and he holsters the gun. He says, so what are you doing here? Who are you people? You say you were, you're, you're here on a case? Well, you ever see, you ever watch the, uh, or you ever listen to the, uh, the uh, Dexter Fowler show on the radio? I've heard it once. It's, uh, it's yeah. that, uh, crack That's pot Dexter Fowler seen. right over there. Uh, he looks over and he says, "That's Dexter Fowler." That's Dexter Fowler, and I'm and he, the infamous Mister Haw- uh, uh, Hawk. Uh, listen, the drunk. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to ask you what your relationship to Arthur is in a minute, but just to be clear, apparently, what I can piece together is your uh, Mister Tucker there. Um, he listened to the show. Now we all are in fact professionals and he contacted us and told him to meet him here today because he had something very important. He was, he, he seemed very frightened of something and we walked in on this. He gave us all the information to come up here and walk in the door. And I'm like, see, they gave me the key. It was waiting for me at the counter downstairs. And he just goes, God damn it, Arthur. And he, and he and he he said and he says that not with like like frustration but like like almost a pity. Yeah. What's his name, by the way? I saw uh, his Mar- badge. Uh, Marcus Finley. That's what he said when he came in. Oh, um, sorry. Very very thick New Jersey accent. Um, and he goes. So uh, Arthur was gonna hire you. Did he say for what for? He gave us nothing. He said he couldn't tell us over the phone. You know, that's, I don't know why you can't tell us over the phone. <laughs> there's a, 
listen. And uh, and he reaches into uh, into his uh, uh, coat and he brings out a, a notepad and he says, "You getting paid?" He said we would, but obviously not now. And not now, obviously. And he writes down something, and he looks up and he looks to kind of all of you. And he says, "You want to get paid?" Sure. That's what I thought. And he uh, and he writes down something and he rips it off and he hands it to you. Uh, and he says. Someone will want to talk to you. Of now, course. I mean, we expect uh, law enforcement. I mean, you're obviously connected, so. Well. Are you New York law enforcement? I'm a New York PI, but let's just say this right now, mister. I don't know where you're from. Uh, where, are you, where are you from? Uh, Massachusetts. All right. Rule number one is you don't involve the cops here. Uh, Mr. Fowler can tell you cops down here aren't Massachusetts cops, especially New York City cops. There's a lot. Going, there's a lot going on down here. A lot that uh, most people don't know. There's a lot. I, I should probably man. tell you that there's actually six of us. I mean, five of us. Uh, it's just that one of us is a magician and he disappeared. Probably on the balcony. He um, does that sometimes when he gets nervous. Here. Yeah, the thing I gave you on the piece of paper is an address. It's from a motel. It's down in Staten Island. It's called the Richmond Motel. All right, you're gonna go in there and you're just gonna say, "Marcus is gonna put us up." All right, they'll know what to do. Done it for me before. I mean, not with a uh, not with five people and not all men, but he'll know. All right. I guess we're going to Staten Island. It's like a tour of uh, so, tour of New York for us today. So you're going to go to Staten Island. You're going to go to that motel. I'm going to call you tomorrow, probably around 6.30. I got to talk to my client. All right? I don't know if, uh, if they want to bring anybody else on. It's not like I've been uh, doing a particularly good job. Well, listen, Mr. Finley. Uh, we specialize in rather unusual cases you may have read about some of our previous exploits i know nothing about you mooks so uh look us up well i can tell you this now if you're interested in the strange and the weird or what the fuck have you perfect case for you and i can get all the i i I need all the help i can get one person is a is not enough for this job all right Let's hope that she has enough money to dole out to you, Fox. Now, she? We'll talk about tomorrow. Did you take anything from the body? Uh, no, I left it there, but uh, I did get his identification. And uh... All right, well, well, as long as everything's been put back, I'm going to call the cop. I'm going to call my guy. I know the guy in this precinct. He's cool. He's going to come in here. He's going to do a case. He's going to give me the report. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. But I gotta. And he looks back at the body and says, "I gotta make some phone calls uh, before I call the cops." And he and he looks at the body like, and there's a there's a, a look of disappointment. There is a little bit of sorrow there. Um, as just get to Staten Island, go to the Richmond Motel, get a room. Enjoy the city for a couple hours tomorrow. 
6.30 p.m. I'm calling you. I'll give you more instruction then. All right. Got it. Got it. All right. And he holds out a, a, a hand to you, Hawk. And he says, welcome to New York. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. And he shakes your hand and he says, uh, and he looks at the, your, the blood in your hand and he, and he kind of scoffs and he says, like I said, welcome to New York. Indeed. All right. And we will end it there. Excellent. Really well done, Thomas. Mm. I'm hooked. If it wasn't for the fact that our the great Bamboni has just suddenly vanished. <laughs> that was actually really good there, Thomas. That was a jewelry. We'll talk about it after we end the episode. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Our players included Mick Swan, Jeff Wilkins, Corey Highstead, Ken Trench, and myself with Thomas McKeon as Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. We have a new patron, Samuel Hodgkinson, has pledged $5 a month. Thank you so much, Samuel. Thank you, Samuel. If you would like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar or two a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We really like reading them. This is Tom Rayleigh together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Good gaming.